Midwest Mavericks is powered by Mother G, aligning business and technology. Mike, you there? Hello, hello, hello. So we have uh, part two of our podcast with uh, Jody Williamson coming up. Should be interesting. I, I, I thought the discussion around how to respond to COVID was pretty cool. I thought he had some really good insights on what businesses should and shouldn't be doing. Yeah, I thought it was cool because, you know, from a communication standpoint, crisis communication is so important. And being able as a business to put your spin on it and being a helpful, useful uh, part of this conversation is, is quite important. And so, um, you know, with Jody's tips and your insight and you know, everything that we've been doing, putting resources um, on our, our website, motherg.com, um, you know, you just want to be a part of the conversation and, and be that, that, that person that can help people get through a rough time and give them information that they might not know they even need. Yeah. I mean, it's scary. I mean, your, your wife's in, in the healthcare business and, uh, you know, we, we have friends who are, we've unfortunately had, uh, um, some folks that are related to our mother G, uh, tribe, uh, pass away uh, from, from the COVID uh, infection. So it's, it's serious and it's, it's tough. Um, but in a different way, as serious is the impact that this can have to an organization, to the business, to the economy in general. And, you know, the, the longer term uh, scars uh, that the economics of this can present uh, from a, from a family standpoint and stress and whatnot can be, can be quite devastating. Yeah, I, t I take the cue from my wife. You said she's in healthcare. She works in a nursing home. And so she's at, you know, ground zero of everything that's happening. There's actually a couple of people in isolation in her nursing home already. And, uh, you know, she has this very great fight or flight mentality. And she's like, I, I got to go to work. I have to help these people. Um, I can sit here and be curled up or I can press on and perform to my the best of my ability. And side note, she's pregnant as well. So you know, she's in a, a huge risk. And so I, you know, I think from a business's perspective is we owe it to everybody else around us, to our local economy, our, our national economy, to at least keep the engine running as much as humanly possible. Um, we have an added advantage being a technology company, being able to work from home and be at 100% operational and with very little um, disruption. Um, and so we want to be able to present that for other businesses as well. You know, I think too, too often it's too easy to fall into just the reactive mode of, of dealing with the crisis at hand. And, and you stop thinking about what's going to happen as this starts settling down, what's going to happen in a couple of weeks when, you know, working from home has become the new normal and how are we interacting with our clients? What do we do when we get back to work? What's it going to be like six or 12 months from now? How, how are things going to change? Because they always change after moments like this. You know, we saw after 9-11, an entirely different way of traveling on airplanes. After uh, 2009 crisis, we had regulations. We had all kinds of new laws and, and ways of doing business, as well as lessons learned on how to run a business and how not to. You know, I think it's really critical that we think about what happens after this crisis is over. Yeah, Jody makes a great point in this um, podcast, too, where he speaks about some of the experiences that he's had um, working with other businesses recently and their conversation on innovation and what that looks like going forward. And it's very similar to the question that we asked in our business outlook survey on our website 
is what percentage of time are you spending on looking towards the future? And the whole idea isn't just to try to get people's mind off of what's happening now, but rather making sure they recognize what's happening now, but then seeing the evolution of where their business is going. So that way they can prosper and prosper quicker. Yeah. I mean, and, and you'll find out the tip about helping me decide whether I should write a book or not. So that that's coming up here as well. Uh, can I call dibs on the forward? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes, you may. It might be a short book. Well, nothing <laughs> I do is ever short, but um, anyway, well, let's, let's get to the podcast, Mike. You know, I want to talk a little bit about doing business. I mean, one thing is right. Zoom meetings versus uh, face-to-face meetings um, versus phone meetings. So much of, of how we communicate is, is through nonverbal communication. Video is, it's not the same as being in person, but it's certainly a heck of a lot better than, than phone. We've been doing video-based training and selling, but we've been doing it for a, a long time, you know, in the scheme of things, four or five years, whatever it is. If you look at the research, you look at the science, it will show you that if, if you look, for example, at communication modalities, there's three modalities. There's, so if I was to give you a test, you're going to score highest in either visual, which we get, right? We see, we think in right. graphs and pick, we've got to see stuff to make it make sense. You could score highest in auditory, or you, and then that's just a spoken word. You, you totally you don't have to right. see anything, you just kind of get it through. Or uh, kinesthetic, which is more, I got to touch and feel. I'm kind of got to, like, I, I need to hold a sample. I need to kind of, right. you know, right. do that sort of thing. So when, we, when you give a test, if I was to give a test to a group of 100 people, roughly 7 out of 10 are going to score highest in visual as their primary modality. That's the way they, they connect the best. And then right. auditory and kinesthetic are going to be roughly equal along the other 30%. Yeah. So here you are where a month ago, if I was to take a survey of 100 people in a room, say, show of hands, how many of you are better face-to-face than you are on the phone? I've asked that question. And most hands are say, oh, face to, better face-to-face. Got it. Yeah. It makes sense. Okay, so now we're dealt a different set. We're di- different cards. Okay, so the cards we're dealt now are you can't do face-to-face. Now you have a fork in the road. What are you going to do? You have actually three paths I think you can go down primarily. One is email, one is phone, and one is what we're doing on a Zoom call. And most people will default to what they're most comfortable with, especially under pressure, which people are under a bit of pressure now. So they will default to a phone call or an email, yet the science shows that if we can get someone to sign on with a, with a webcam, it exponentially grows and increases the likelihood of a connection and an authentic conversation. One that's present, that we're connected, that we're not multitasking. I have a, I have a piece of research that in a typical conference call, and I, I might get the number off by a couple percent, but roughly 56, 58% of people when they're on an auditory conference call, no video, they're multitasking. We're checking, oh, yeah. you know, checking we're on email. that thing. We're sure. checking the email, the phone looks, we look at that. Um, when it's a video call, it drops to 4% of the people multitask. So yeah, cause you gotta, I, I mean, people see you, if you're doing it, they hear, you know, they, they can tell you're typing and not paying attention to the. To right. The and, and so that it's, it's, it's just, it's the science. And when people kind of hear the science and they just think logically, they're like, you're right. But then what we hear as well, you know, my clients or my prospects, they're not comfortable with the video technology. They'd rather me phone them, which 
I, I agree, but I know that two weeks ago, that yeah. excuse was much more valid than today. And I think in yeah. another two weeks and 30 days, it's going to be our new normal. And yeah. at some point, we're going to get to a place where to pick up the phone would just be lazy versus just calling a quick Zoom meeting. And I think Absolutely. for most people I'm working with, I'm like, why are you not doing this other than you're a little lazy and you don't want to adopt the technology? I'm sure it's, it's difficult. It's different. But once you get it down, it's like we're, we're having a different conversation now because we can see each other. It's that simple. Yeah. And, and listen, the, the technology 10 years ago was, uh, you know, a major science project. If you didn't have Mother G around, you couldn't do it. Today, it's, it's relatively simple. I mean, you, you send a link, the person clicks on it, the browser opens, and most computers have built-in webcams. It's, it's an excuse anymore not to do it frankly. And especially this work from home thing. I mean, I know from the number of calls that we've gotten from our clients, a lot of the calls um, have been to set up that video conferencing ability for people uh, to work remotely. So it's, you know, I think it's a big excuse now. I, wa I want to explore the idea, you know, of whether a salesperson should continue to pursue clients uh, under a pandemic like COVID, yeah. like uh, how do you how do you view that? Should should they just say, "Oh man, people are too stressed out"? Uh, you know, they might be shutting down. They might, you know, be uh, trying to reposition their business. They're scrambling uh, to keep the lights on. And here I am calling because I'm a salesperson trying to get a deal. Well, I think once again, and it's a great point that's come up. In I've done so many calls with the sales teams in the last week and. Uh, this topic came up as early as this morning, and it was, okay, we're selling in this weird time. People are pretty sensitive to what's going on. It's an unusual environment. I don't want to appear opportunistic. I don't want to be, appear to be unfeeling and, and pounce. But going back to ethical selling, if I know someone out there and think of your world, right. you have people that need you more than ever right now in many cases right. in certain segments of how you can help them. I, uh, so then it becomes, how do I communicate it without coming across as, you know, Hey, you need yeah. me now, don't you? So that's, but that comes down to our tonality, the way we begin the conversation. Do we start off by empathizing? I mean, it's authentic to start most conversations off today for people. Hey, how you doing? How's your family? And be authentic. It's not some move. It's not some technique. It's like, how's your family doing? How's your health? And you know, staying in? I mean, that would be weird to not acknowledge what's going on and just right. say, Hey, here's why I'm calling. I'd be like, okay. Now I think we're going to change. And I don't think it'll take long for two or three weeks down the road and who knows how things are going to unfold, but it'll be kind of become our new normal and we'll still acknowledge it, but it won't be I don't think it'll right. be as much of the conversation. Right. People are going to get bored with that and, and they're going to start getting back to work. And the dust starts settling and we start seeing how our businesses are, are, are shaken out and how people are, you know, what the personnel looks like, what the new, what the new business looks like. And, and, and now it's like, okay, there might be vertical markets that anyone listening to this are selling now. Uh, because there's more value to provide there that didn't happen 90 days ago just because of what's happened. And there might be other people that I was working with 90 days ago that because of the industry they're in or whatever, you know, I can still work with them, but there's, it's something's changed as much value I can create. I mean, yeah. if you were working with a company and all of a sudden they went from 50 employees to two, you'd be like, okay, well, I guess we can't provide the same value, but 
On the flip side, there's a company out there with 50 people, all tele, teleworking at home, who uh, two months ago were all in the office, and you could have done some stuff, but now there's a whole other level of thing you can do for them. So right. I think it's, it's being able to see, and, and going back to ethical selling, you know, if you had a contract with a company and they had 50 people before, and now they got two, and they came to you and said, Dave, you'd be like, you're right, we got we to gotta make some changes, right? Yeah. You know, I get it. Yeah. Um, that would be authentic. But at the same time, when you see someone you can help, it's like, you know what, I got I to gotta, I gotta call them. I got I yeah. to gotta get to them. We did a survey recently of businesses in the Chicago and Milwaukee market, which we're posting on our website at motherg.com under COVID-19 resources and uh, asked them a number of questions. One of which was, uh, what would they consider doing as a response to the crisis? And one of the answers was, would you consider hiring more salespeople? And out of all the people that responded, not one of them answered yes to that. In, in, in furthermore, they also said that they would consider um, and, and are likely to cut business consulting. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering how you feel about that. Yeah. And, and you were surprised by the zero number. I, I was surprised. I mean, yeah. I can see some folks, you know, depending on who their client base is, if they're in uh, retail or into the food business, uh, the restaurant business, how they might want to cut sales staff um, yeah. temporarily. But I'm surprised by that is a general rule because frankly, most of the respondents are not in that business. The question I always ask is how many salespeople would you hire if you knew they would succeed? And people <laughs> think, I was like, well, infinite. I mean, if you knew they would succeed, like 100%, how many would you hire? They're like, well, as many as I could. Okay, so the issue isn't so much the salesperson's not gonna be profitable to you. You're just not sure it's the right person. You're not sure you wanna make the investment. So let's talk right. about the right, the, the, the right end of the problem. Um, and so, yeah, so I think overall uh, with salespeople, what I, what I saw in 2008, and, and, and you know, that's the closest right. time frame of something happening, and then we go back to 9-11 pretty much in my kind of things that um, were, were, you know, tough to get through for Dramatic, many people. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that when the dust settled after both of those, a lot of companies that thought they had good salespeople realized when times got tough and people had to more proactively sell, they realized that they had good order takers. They didn't have great salespeople. Yeah. Uh, and, and good economies uh, tend to hide flaws in businesses and people in business. And I think there's going to be a shakeout when companies say, okay, we've got it. It's, it's tougher to sell now, but there are people out there we can help. In fact, there's other verticals we can help it won't take long for people to realize, wow, I thought this was good salesperson all along, but they're a high paid clerk as far as business consulting. Um, I mean, you're in a, you're in a place where uh, for a segment of the people, they need you more than ever. And you were built for this moment. Right. Um, and our, our business is, is similar is that we, I, I've done more trainings in the last couple of weeks and had more conversations with sales teams than I've had in years just because, you know, just like you're getting calls and people are saying, okay, Dave, like for your, you know, magic dust that you that you have i need i need i got questions <laughs> like, yeah. and and we're very similar it's like okay for your niche of sales and sales management we don't know what to do like how right. how do we handle this right. so i think for those in consulting and providing a service they might have to change the way they're delivering it they might have to change the kinds of people they're attracting uh and finding because it might be slightly different but i think that 
there's two kinds of companies really I think they're right that we're seeing for what for what we talked to there's ones that are circling the wagons they're going to cut every cost and they're just going to put their head down and they're going to wait for things to clear the other is they're like okay we might have to do some of that, but we're also going to use this as a time to regroup and re-strategize. And, and in our case, they're like, well, this is a really good time to invest in our people because they, they're not traveling. They're not going to trade shows. Yet. So, yeah, right. so it's really the mindset. And, and so we have a number of new companies uh, starting, uh, in, let's see, third week of April that are just, they're like, okay, let's go. I mean, it's yeah. just, this is a good time. What so better it, time? It, it's, it's finding the, but other, other people were going to be talking. They'll be like, no, it doesn't make sense. I, in fact, I, I got an email I, from someone today. I'm like, that's fine. I, I, I'll challenge that thinking and we'll have a conversation, but it's your choice. I, I can't you make know, you want to grow. I, I think there's these the, the two kind of scenario or maybe three kind of scenarios that businesses are in right now. One is, um, you know, they may be in a business where, it is not been uh, seen as a downturn as a byproduct of COVID. Either they're related to servicing that. So if you've made uh, gloves or masks for the medical industry, you're not slowing down. If anything, you're right. amping up. I think there's a second category of businesses that have seen some impact, uh, but not significant. And I think Mother G would be an example of that. Some of uh, a few of our clients have had to shut down, but most of them are still operational. And by the way, most people, all even the ones that have shut down, still need their IT infrastructure running, safe, stable, secure, um, and, and whatnot. There's a third category of folks that are are really uh, under stress. And, you know, those companies that have to shut down. Think of a restaurant that has yep. to get rid of all their employees, and they're struggling uh, to to stay uh, alive. A, a, a hair salon is another, uh, I think, common example of that. Um, I think the response of how they embrace that time is critical because I think in, you know, you're talking about that. It, it's, you, you do have to have the immediate short-term triage going on to make sure that you protect the company. But the panic, uh, I think, is, is what can harm them more than the actual external factors. Uh, how you treat your employees, how you treat your customers is tantamount to the long-term success. And if you're able, is a, is a, you know, a value-add provider, whether you're providing consulting or a product to your clients, if your focus is on helping them get through this crisis, you're going to come out of this in a better place. And I know, you know, as, as we look at it, um, you know, this is a, going to be a real vetting process for the, for the IT companies out there that can do a great job for their clients and the ones that are just doing uh, a barely passable job for their clients how they treat their employees, what happens to the culture and the business. And, and I think those two responses are very powerful uh, ways and you're touching on that. So, you know, I think of people that are backing off of their sales activities as people that are selling in the wrong place in the first place. Yeah. Those are people that weren't selling the right way to begin with. Right. And they're just compounding this, the problem that they had before. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And you know, as you say, the, the glorified order taker, uh, really is not somebody who's adding the tremendous value that they should have been in the first place. Yeah. And, and, and even, even for businesses that are in that second tier where they're having some effect, um, the ones that are going to succeed are the ones who are going to say, okay, now that we're dealt these cards and we've had some effect, is there a way to pivot and change who we target, change our, what we're offering, change the kind of approach we have when it comes to selling and who we're talking to, um, yeah. I know that 
uh, in 90 days, the clients we're working with are going to look back and say, wow, that forced us into a few things. One is we had to rethink who our target market was. We had to think about how we approached them. We had to think about value creation in a different way. We had to think about how we keep our relationship strong, but also provide more value than we were providing before. I mean, I think most people are going to be going through that. And the ones that are going to survive are the ones that are health, healthily going to look at this and say, okay, this isn't my most favorite activity I've ever been through, but yeah. one of my favorite sayings, and you might've seen the graphic in our office is play the cards you're dealt, not the ones you wish you were dealt. Right. So right. I can complain about the cards and I can talk about the good old days and I can talk about how this all stinks, but you know what? Those are my cards. How and, am I playing? And, you know, that metaphor is interesting. You know, the best Texas Hold'em players are not the ones that get the best cards. Because right. it's random, the cards they get. It's how they play those. And I think that's really the, the, the center of great entrepreneurs versus people who are just opportunistic. Um, great entrepreneurs are able to take whatever luck they're dealt, good or bad, and, and minimize bad luck and, and find the opportunity. Uh, and, and it always looks like they're lucky. You know, they're, oh, man, that guy was so lucky. No, they were just the more opportunistic person with that luck. And, and I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, what advice would you give, not, not as a sales coach, but, but as a business owner, um, Jody, what, what advice and what, what are you doing uh, to make sure that uh, this crisis doesn't crater your company, but you come out of it stronger, better, healthier? Yeah, I read something this morning uh, that, that said, uh, and this was a message that someone sent to their, uh, their team. And I, I think it's applying to our team. Uh, and it may apply to yours. And they said, you know what? We're going to get five years of innovation, things we should have been working on or we're going to work on for the next five years. We're going to do it in 90 days because <laughs> yeah. we have had to adopt. Like, for example, we're using Microsoft Teams now. I've known about Microsoft Teams for a while. I, I know that was on kind of my list of things to get to. But guess what? We've all figured out, and now we're not experts, but we're using a couple key features of micro, and we've had it in our system for a long time. For a long but time. But now, yeah. for the last two weeks, I mean, I'm talk we're talking all day long on, on using uh, Teams, and, and so I'm looking at all these different things we're doing in our business. It's like, you know what? This is just forcing us to do some things that we should have done before or we're yeah. going to get to, but guess what? You know, the, 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 the intensity uh, of, of the situation just accelerates things. And I know, right. I mean, I, I know we're better at what we're doing than we were a month ago. And I think we're doing, we're pretty good then, right? But yeah, I, right. I know in another 90 days, just like your business can be, we're going to some, figure some stuff out that we probably should have worked on before. It's forced us to make some decisions and some innovations and some, some, some adjustments to our strategies. We're going to adopt a new technology. We're going to get rid of it. I mean, all these things are going to happen and it's painful and it's, it's sad and watching the news is just really heart wrenching, but I can't control that. Right. Uh, I'm not ignoring it. Uh, I'm sympathetic and I don't want to sound cold because it's just awful, but, but I, I acknowledge it and I say, okay, I, I, I got to turn that off because my, I don't know how right. your brain works, but if I surround myself with that 24 seven, it's hard to get out of bed. So I'm not ignoring it, but I'm saying, okay, I can't control that. I can control my mindset and the way I'm going to approach this. And I'm not going to be Pollyannish and act like there's no challenges and that it's not a, right. a hard time. You know, I've been to some Tony Robbins stuff over the years. And, and I think the most important question 
that he taught me to ask anytime something happens, whether it's personal or professional, and we're at that really down spot, even work with my kids over the years on teaching them is the question that anytime something happens, the first thing you say is what's good about this. Okay. What's good about this. And like I said, it almost makes me feel like I'm making light of it. And that's not, um, look at what happened after nine 11, the pain that created, created better secure. I mean, you used to be able to walk on a plane with a box cutter. I mean, how did that happen? Right? So think of the innovations that happen because of what we go through and we're going to be forced to, to make those changes. I think for entrepreneurs, the ones that are, once again, going to, going to look at the innovations and not to be Pollyannish and bury our head in the sand, like I said, but it's like, these are the cards I'm dealt. No, how I, are we going to innovate? On the contrary, you, you know, again, uh, from that survey, one of the things that came out was, um, and not as significant as the answer around salespeople, but, but um, how, how focused people are on the immediate plans right now. Like I, I'm not thinking what's going to happen a year from now. I'm thinking about how do I get through this crisis right now? And you know, that's kind of like watching the news all day long. You do have to deal with what's going on right now. I get it. I get it more than anyone. You know, our job is day to day, minute to minute solving computer problems. If somebody's system is down, we got to get it live. Right. But, but you also have to carve out time in, in, in block it. Uh, I do mine in the morning generally, if I'm not interviewing interesting people like yourself, uh, I, I block time in the morning to do my longer term thinking. When my mind is fresh, I'm not inundated with the latest uh, disaster facts uh, and, and crisis information and CNN's not howling in the background. Yep. Um, I, I think where are we going to be six months from now? Where are we going to be two years from now? And, and for example, in my business, I think a very profound thing is that people as a byproduct of COVID, are going to have a much different view of what video conferencing is like. They're going to be much more comfortable doing it. And so the idea of hopping on a plane to go visit a client may be changed in, in the idea that um, we can make other types of connections with people uh, is going to be very different. And, and that has a profound trickle down effect on how many other aspects of business happen. I know, you know, sales, right? You know, front and center for you, how people engage clients is changing. And, and thus, accordingly, you, you've already embraced it in, in your training within your workshops that I've been part of, is how do we have a conversation? How do we have a sales call over video conference versus face-to-face? You know, what do we want to do? You, we, you know, we quickly innovated by saying, well, we're going to have an agenda. And, and the agenda is going to be, you know, our upfront contract with the client. We're going to very clearly stipulate that. And as a matter of fact, we're going to put it on a slide and we're going to review it with the client instead of doing that. Um, in person talking through it, we're going to do it over video and we're going to actually have a slide. So I think these are times when we have to embrace the future uh, and see where it takes us. So it's not that we're, we're forgetting about the day to day. We're embracing that. We're understanding it. We're trying to absorb what is, what does it mean though? Like reading the tea leaves. We're not just drinking the tea, but we're, we're also trying to read the leaves to tell us what, what the future beholds. When it's something you, you said, I want to, uh, amplify. Um, I, I journal every day and I think we, I've talked about that uh, in some yeah. of the groups I've been in with you. And, um, and, and I, 
I was, there's a guy, uh, a business consultant, uh, Keith Cunningham, he wrote, he wrote the book, The Road Less Stupid. And it's basically, a, <laughs> a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a business manual for small businesses and entrepreneurs. And it, it's you know, such a great title. And it, it, yeah. it, but one of his things he talks about, and I've adopted, and I've been doing for you know, probably six months or so, is 45 minute think time chunks. So basically, you, 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 you come up with five or six questions you want to you kind of brainstorm before you start the process. Okay, what are some questions I got to ask myself? So one question might be, how do I have a have positive outcome from the current COVID situation in my business? It could be something like that. So you pick one of the questions and then you set a timer. You go in a quiet room. There's no distractions. There's no technology. And for 45 minutes, it's heads down. And all you do is work on that question. And I will tell you personally, the thinking that happens when you pose a question and all you do is focus on that question with 45 minutes and you can't stop early. So if you're, if you're like, you might spend 10 minutes looking at the paper, like I can't, and all of a sudden it comes. Many times I get to the 45 minutes. I'm like, okay, I need, I need an extra five teacher, right? So I can get an extra five yeah, minutes, yeah. but it's amazing. It's just a simple concept. Yes. It's not really, you know, not a lot of, but not sophisticated. It's Doesn't amazing. Take an MBA. It's amazing yeah. what 45 minutes of non-distracted thinking. The key is with a question. You know, yeah. that, that's why when people journal, I say, they say, well, what are your affirmations? I say, I don't have affirmations. Say, what do you mean? You're supposed to say, be positive and have a great, that's good. But instead of saying, be positive, I say, question, how can I be positive today? So it's always a question. And when you ask a question, because all the research on affirmations, say it over and over again, it, I, it might have an effect, but I know when someone asks a question, yeah, someone asks a question, the brain starts searching. And, so and, instead of saying be healthy today, you, it's you, like, how can I be healthy? All of a sudden, well, I got a window of time to exercise. I mean, yeah. I did a Peloton before our, our thing. I've got 20 yeah. minutes in. It wasn't my ideal time. I'm like, I got to get Peloton. Right. But you got it. The power of how versus why is so profound. Why tends to be backward thinking and in, in, in limiting. Uh, generally, if my wife asked me a why question, she could add a comma at the end of the question and say, you dumbass. Like, <laughs> why didn't you take the trash out? You dumbass. dumbass. Or, yeah, right, you know, but, but if you say how, you know, you have to reframe. Like, how are you going to remember to take the trash out is such a more powerful question. Yeah. I'm not defensive. I don't get angry. I start thinking, oh, damn, yeah, geez, sorry. I, I forgot. Um, maybe what I'll do is I'll put a sticky note up or something. But when you start asking how questions, it's, it's so much of a more creative flow of information. I think that's really key. And I think right now, it's essential to ask yourself, how are you going to respond to COVID? How are you going to come out of this crisis? How do you want your team to feel? How do you want your business culture to improve um, as opposed to degrade as a, as a byproduct of COVID? Rather than asking yourself, why? Why am I in this crisis? Why, why am I not profitable? Why are my clients you know, canceling orders? Those don't get me anywhere. No, it's, it's almost a victim statement. And when people get into victim status, they don't take action. They don't take responsibility. And then you know, they, they don't get the result. But yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, so, it's so powerful. And even those, those questions you just, you just mentioned, three or four there, if, if someone listening just took one of those and just did the 45-minute heads down, you know, later today or tomorrow, just no distractions, I, I guarantee you the clarity of thinking yes. around some things that have been elusive, especially in the stress everyone's under. I mean, I think even more so now to take that 40, people say, oh, I don't have time. But actually, you, you make time because you yeah. probably need that clarity of thinking more right now than you've ever needed it. 
Absolutely. And, and what I find is that a lot of times, um, maybe because I'm stupid, but uh, when I ask the question the first time, and, and I, haven't, I have to try your, your approach, I really like that idea of just quiet, no distraction, no computer, no technology, turn the phone off and sit quietly and ask that question and maybe I'll get there faster. But, but when I'm ruminating on a question, like how am I going to overcome these challenges? How do I want my company to come out of this crisis? Um, and, and I'm thinking about it, thinking about it. I don't come up with a lot of answers right away. It's almost like I'm pressured. However, like when I'm working out then later that day, or I'm sitting there having a glass of wine at dinner, the idea pops into my mind and I start getting it. And then the next time, and this is kind of my point, you can't let the question go. You have to revisit it. And the more you revisit it, the more you start developing ideas and coming up with thoughts and you start opening your mind up. Somebody, you, you know, Mike, uh, uh, my illustrious marketing director, you know, might offer an idea on something tangentially related to the question I was asking, but it clicks in, in all of a sudden that idea comes out and I'll say, Hey, you know what we can do? Why don't we do this? You know, and, and, and those ideas start progressing and you start finding that creative juice, which really fuels me. That's when I get really excited to come to work because yeah. now I'm not saying, why am I in this circumstance? But I'm saying, hey, I have an idea of how we can come out of this. Mm -hmm. um, I did want to ask you about writing a book. And, yeah. and how hard that was to write a book. Did you, did you have a ghostwriter help you or did you do? Yeah, this? I had someone help me. Uh, the hardest part was finishing it. You know, I, part of my DNA is to get things done quickly, but part of it is to get it done perfectly. So um, I started the book. I had mind map that I gave a, a, a talk at one of the Sandler summits that turned into, Hey, that would be a good book kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and then I had the framework, I mind mapped that I had the whole story, I had written it, and then I had someone helping me clean it up who was a professional writer. So I'd written the whole story, but he made it, you know, his stuff to it. I uh, did a great job with it. Um, but I kept making changes and kept making, and I was just like, at some point they called and said, you can't make any more changes. I'm like, okay, but then like a day later, one more, one more. <laughs> um, so I found, and, and here's what someone told me, here's why I wrote the book. They said, if you go to the library and you're looking for a book on a topic and you can't find it, that means you're supposed to write that book. Yeah. And I was looking for a book that talked about the contrarian sale and that wasn't there. There was all kinds of sales books. I thought, you know what? Um, I should write this book. Yeah. And so that kind of grew out of there. But yeah, have you? Have you? No. Oh, no. yeah, I've, I've a thought a lot about it. The reason I asked. You've got a book I, in I, you. I, I thought a lot about it. Um, I kind of don't have the idea for what I want to write exactly yet. But I, I feel like there's something around entrepreneurship, around yeah you know, establishing culture, understanding the vision, building the right team, uh, and building that shared, um, vision is kind of missing. I don't, I don't, so I haven't found that. Yeah. Part. I'm giving you a challenge. So here's what in the next, I don't know, two, let's give you two weeks on this one. And, and you, you could take the challenge uh -oh. now, take a 45, <laughs> do a 45 minute thinking chunk with the question being, if I was to write a book, what would, what would it be about? Or what would the title be? Something like that. And just go 45 minutes on just get every thought down and each one will start getting little, some little kind of kind of branches off of it. And um, at the end of 45 minutes, you'll either know that you got like three books in you or one solid book or you'll be like, nah, take, take book off the bucket list. <laughs> you got <laughs> a right. book. In. I know enough. you got I a book. I know you got I a book in that. You. By the way, uh, you're a Chicagoan. Can you just weigh in for Mike, uh, who's, who's also uh, silently observing um, how you feel about Chicago pizza? Uh, I well, so I'm a I'm a primarily thin crust guy. Joe's Pizza in Wheeling is clearly the best pizza on the planet. Is Joe's Pizza 
uh, in Northbrook? No, it's in Wheeling. Oh, really Wheeling. Close, close okay, that, but not New York. No, it's not New York. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not Thank pizza. You. It's, that, it's, that's, so it's not New York pizza. That's like floppy cardboard with some cheese on it. Yeah, that's Thank not you. good. Uh, you know, you guys had such a nice conversation. I don't want to ruin it with actual facts about pizza because it'll just discredit everything oh that you said God. earlier. Yeah. You are. Okay. Um, by the way, <laughs> this is coming from the man who likes ketchup and white rice. So that's his good. culinary Ooh. fortitude uh, is seemingly don't, lacking. Don't tell me, Mike, you like Hungry Man TV dinners too because that'll totally <laughs> blow all your credibility. I, I, I stopped that once I hit my 30s. Okay, good. Jody, this was great. I, I, I've got dozens more questions that I would, I would ask you if we had time, but we've already spent uh, uh, enough of your valuable time. I appreciate your, your, your help. Oh, I appreciate your time. This has been a good conversation. Yeah, it was really fun. Thanks. Thanks for having me. If you're a maverick who wants your story told on Midwest Mavericks, go to motherg.com slash podcast and let us know. That's motherg.com slash podcast.